Hello, everyone, and welcome to the MMA Island Podcast. I am Jack Kennedy alongside Mace Martinez and Kiwa McNamara, and this is your podcast for the latest in MMA. I'm Jack Kennedy, and they hit a lot harder, in my opinion, too. Mace Martinez? I don't think that's going to happen, because those are two of the hottest divisions in the, in the UFC right now. I'm Keelan McNamara. He is here to stay, and I see him being a huge problem. And this is the MMA Island Podcast. Well, today we have a great podcast lined up for you. Um, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, Sage Northcutt has an upcoming fight. Valentina Shevchenko got a fight scheduled, and uh, we will be going over our most important fight for the upcoming uh, pay-per-view UFC 259, aside from the main event, obviously. Um, and we will be getting that to you just right now. Before we get going, though, uh, Keelan and I, we were talking on the previous podcast about upcoming Irish fighters and if they could become UFC champions, and we completely missed out on Dean Barry is his name. Uh, we, we, we said it, we described him and everything, but we completely blanked out his name, so so uh, we apologize so much, but that's a shout out for him on the previous podcast. I promise we would do it on this one. Dean Barry is his name. Go check him out. Upcoming star probably in the UFC. All right, let's go ahead and get into it. Sage Northcutt, uh, obviously in one championship, coming off a loss, hasn't fought since May 17th, 2019. He is scheduled to fight Shinya Aoki, legendary fighter. Uh, will Sage Northcutt be able to revive his MMA career is the question. Mace, what are you thinking? I don't necessarily know if his career needs reviving. I don't. I don't think his career is dead. It's yeah. he's not terrible or on like a massive losing streak. Uh, he's won eleven of his fourteen professional fights, and he was six and two with the UFC before he left there. Um, obviously, he had the one championship promotion, and uh, I think they broke his face in that fight. Actually, so um, I think I think Sage is still young. He'll be twenty five soon. Uh, but with Team Alpha Male, I think that he has everything around him to uh, to be successful. Obviously, he's got you know the pioneer Uriah, Uriah Faber there, and that gym has has proven themselves that, that they can develop young talent and turn them into champions. Um, but yeah, as far as like a revival, I mean, he won seventy five percent of his fights yeah. with, with the UFC. So uh, I I just say he needs a win more than anything. Um, I think Sage Northcutt's a really nice guy. He's uh, kind of cringy at times, but he can definitely fight, and, and he's always in shape. Yeah. Uh, he's always in, in tip-top shape, so I think he'll be fine. I think he just needs to get a win under his belt. Uh, I think he's going to have a, a stellar career as long as he's – obviously, he had the big injury, so he wasn't active, but as long as he's consistently active, I think he'll improve leaps and bounds, and I think he'll be a good fighter for one and uh, compete with the top guys there. Yeah, um, very interesting points there. It's very strange that when we mentioned Siege Northcutt, we mentioned the word revival. Um, I do think his longevity and being out that extended period is what's playing into people's minds because we kind of forget how long it's been since we've seen Siege Northcutt. But as May said there, you know, we we've kind of forget very easily. He's won about 70% or more of his actual fights that he's fought professionally very nice guy and a very good kickboxer too um i think with a lot of fighters like siege northcutt who get thrust into the spotlight very quickly 
a lot of fans tend to sort of clamor onto the losses easier than the wins, especially emphatic knockouts, like when sadly his face literally got broken in his debut, which is literally the worst debut you could have. Um, so yeah, I think people are very quick to throw around the word revival as if this man needs a revival in his career. Like May said, he's only turning 25 soon. He, he's practically not even started professionally. Um, you know, C.H. Northcutt's a very, very good fighter. Um, you know, we've been lucky enough to see what he can do in the UFC already. You know, he's fast, he's quick, and he's got a lot of power behind him. So revival's not the right word I'd use at all. Comeback, maybe. But revival, to me, is a tad strong to use in a sentence with C.H. Northcutt. Um, I'm very intrigued to see this fight against Shinya Aoki. As May said, a legend, you know, very, very wily, tough fighter out of Japan. Japan's known for producing fighters as good as Shinya Aoki. Black belt in BJJ under Yuka Sakai, I think, in Tokyo. And a black belt in Judoka also, you know, literally the antidote to the kickboxing style that Sage Northcutt brings. So it's a great fight to come back to but an extremely difficult one to force Sage Northcutt you know Shinya Yogi is an absolute anaconda on the ground if you guys somehow haven't seen a fight of Shinya Yogi's look it up because it is a spectacle when that fight hits the canvas and it's going to be real interesting to see where Sage Northcutt's at as May said he's got a lot of fantastic guys around him at Team Alpha Male Uriah Faber is a legend, and he's got great wrestlers too, and Cody Garbrandt and Chris Holdsworth, and great coaches like Justin Buckles too. So he does definitely have all the tools that he needs to succeed. Of that, I don't think any of us actually have any doubt. But I'm I'm really really intrigued to see how he does because prior to getting his face unfortunately broken in his debut i was very impressed with sage and i was actually quite surprised he was let go now actually whether he was let go or whether he decided to go i don't think any of us actually find out fully but i was surprised they let a guy like him go you know he's the perfect image for the ufc you know the golden boy to rise up through the ranks and develop with more and more experience but maybe he just wants to dip his toe in what else is out there, build up a story outside the UFC and then come back. Maybe that's the most likely. But I like Sage Northcutt, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what this fight brings. Um, you know, as I've said already, I think the word revival strong because his record indicates everything otherwise. I think comeback's the more appropriate term to use. I think he's being done a little bit of a disservice by the media with the word revival. So I'm really looking forward to this fight. I think it's getting slapped on way more than it should be. You know, you the sort of old legend in Shinya Aoki and the young up-and-comer in Sage Northcutt. I would be watching this fight, and I'm very excited to see what Sage Northcutt brings. Yeah, yeah. I mean, great, great take, guys. Uh, Sage Northcutt, it's, it's crazy to think about. And it, when you look at new prospects in the UFC, they're a lot more seasoned outside of the UFC and, and coming up through the ranks through amateur or local organizations uh, to get, to get more prepared. Sage Northcutt was really just thrown into the UFC as this new big athletic talent. And he did really well. I mean, his record shows that he's what 11 and three is his record. Um, he, he, he's, he's done really well and he was thrown against some really good guys. Um, uh, his, I think one of his first losses was Mickey Gall. And that was, but that was when Mickey Gall was really 
becoming really good and he's really good on the ground, which is what makes this fight uh, interesting as well coming up. Um, it's, it's a shame that he lost his debut, uh, in one championship because he is still promising. He's so young. It's crazy to think about. He, he's fought a lot. He's, he's getting more experience. He's not even close to his, in his prime yet. Um, as May said, as May's pointed out, you're not going to find a guy who's more fit than he is and ready to go for a fight. Um, he'll, he'll be there. It's not that if he has the skills to do it for me, it's if, it's if he's, um, mentally, ready for it is, is, is the only question I have going into it. Cause I think he can climb the ranks in one uh, and really make a name for himself and maybe get back into the UFC one day, or even if not have a great career ahead of him. Um, it's just, he has to be ready to go. And that's such a tough time, like just a timeout. He's fought since May 17th, 2019. That's a long time. And um, especially for a young fighter like that consistently and getting fights a lot is key. And he had that up until that point. And really, it was the injury and everything, and it, it, the way he lost it. It was it was a real shame. Um, but I, I think he can come back. I think he can really really do a good job. I like what you say, Keelan. The right word is not revival; it's comeback because he doesn't. It's not like his career is dead. It's not even close to that. Even if he loses this fight, his career is not even close to being dead. He still has a lot of time. But if he wins this fight, I think he could really skyrocket. I think a big future is in store uh, for Sage Northcutt. Um, if he loses this fight, of course, there's still plenty of time and everything. He still can get around. But I think this fight is very important for him and his career uh, path, especially at one championship. And if he can get this win, uh, erase the loss before, keep moving up. Um, I think it's, I think it'll do wonders for his uh, confidence. And I'd love to see that. I'd love to see that. And him, uh, after leaving the UFC to do uh, good and have success in another organization, kind of prove Daniel White wrong and what he said about him, that he should quit. MMA and everything just I would love that for him and I wish him the best and again not to disrespect uh um Aoki at all he's he's a legend and everything and it should be a great fight I'm excited I'm excited to watch it and uh Sage Northcutt uh is still is still a name to still someone you should keep your eye on um in the future yeah I think uh, obviously like Keelan pointed out if he's able to win this fight uh, you know, he's not being a scrub. It's a good fight for him to come back for almost two years out. So it'll be a very notable win. Uh, the second thing, one of the things you mentioned is he's not in his prime. He's only going to be 25. Yeah. So, yeah, you're talking four or five good years from his prime. Uh, you look at Holloway and, and Poirier and them now, they're 30, 31, 32 years old, and they're just starting yep. to get in prime and they're really turning it up. So Sage has plenty of time to to get it together and, and to be successful. And I feel like he was kind of getting that push, like like we talk about Macy Barber all the time, or even the Darren Till push, where they, they were getting thrown into competition yeah. that really they had no business being in there with. Um, but he, he, he was able to make it out of the UFC uh, with a pretty decent record. I think the whole him choosing one, I, I know his contract was up, his fights were up, and they offered him two top 10 guys at 170. I know one of them was Damian Maya. And I'm, I'm, in my opinion, the comments that Dana made are what kind of made the decision for him to leave yeah. the promotion uh, because he was getting that push. He was already going to be offered a top 10 guy at 170. So they were definitely pushing him for success. But, you know, the, the, the comments that Dana made, obviously, and I believe that was actually after his, his one fight that they said he should retire, but – uh, just the push was a little too hard for Sage, I believe, uh, early on. But, um, yeah, like y'all both said, he's got plenty of time. 
Yeah, I actually love the word that Mace just used there. I just picked up on it. It's a very noble fight to come back to. I actually really like that because, you know, with a lot of guys, not Sage Northcutt, but guys like Sage Northcutt, who you're obviously looking to build around and push, the natural thing is to give them a relatively easy fight to welcome them back to. And this is anything but that. You know, Shinya Aoki is, you know, we all know how much of a massively respected name he is in the MMA world. I mean, yes, he's 37 years old right now, so he is probably past his prime, but he's still got a lot in the tank. You know, let's not forget Shinya Aoki is as legit as they come. So I think this is a great fight for Sage Northcutt to come back to. I think as long as this stays in the feet, it, it really is his fight to lose because his skills and the feet, I, I actually feel are quite underrated. So as long as he puts on a good performance to come back to, then the world of one really becomes um, Sage Northcutt's oyster. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for Sage Northcutt. I think going to one was actually a very smart move because you have a young American fighter who will progress up the ranks and will get more experience and you can start to craft a division around him. And then you draw in the already burgeoning American market for one. Obviously one are based in Singapore. So the US market is the market that they want to encapsulate. Yeah. Someone like Sage Northcutt's perfect for that. Um, in fact, the more I think about Sage Northcutt, the more I'm surprised Dana let him go because he's the perfect figure. He's got the, he's got the media friendly face. He has the positive fighting style that people like watching. Sage Northcutt in a couple of years could prove to be a real coup for one championship because he's the perfect fighter to build a division around, providing he fulfills his potential as we think and know he can. So, yeah, keep an eye on Sage Northcutt. Yeah, I love that. And real quick, before we move on to the next thing, another thing that I picked up on from Mace, uh, he has a great camp around him as well. Team Alpha Male, uh, working with those guys, uh, those coaches that have been around for a long time and are well-rounded as well, can not only, like like Keelan said, he, he not only has the perfect uh, face and everything for, for the future of one championship and really helping to promote their brand, but he also will have the skills to do it uh, and will keep improving. So, yeah, bright future ahead for Sage Northcutt. Can't wait. Let's go ahead and roll into our next topic Valentina Shevchenko will be back and she will be defending her flyweight title against Jessica Andrade for UFC 261 on April 24th. What do you think about this one, guys? I think it's a nice matchup. It, it's an opponent she hasn't faced before, I believe. So obviously Andrade is is good. She's had a success yeah. in UFC. She's, she's been a title holder. She's beaten very good competition. Uh, but you look at Valentina and she's done the same exact thing. She's beaten everybody. Um, you know, there's only two types of people that haven't had their ass whooped by Valentina, and that's people who haven't fought her and Amanda Nunes. Other than that, she's beat you up. You know what I mean? So no, nobody fares well against her. I think that Andrade is – she'll be game. I think she'll go in there. She'll, she'll try to knock Valentina out. She might try to, you know, implement some wrestling in there. But I just think Valentina is going to be too much. I don't. She's just on another level. So if I was going to predict that fight right now, obviously I'd go Valentina. But I think it'd be a finish. Um, and if not, I mean, because Andrade is tough. Like I said, if not, it'll be a lopsided decision win. Yeah, this is. It's an excellent fight to hear out loud. You know, Jessica Andrade has become a far bigger name in women's flyweight. Yeah. 
you know, very justifiably great two fights against Rose Namajunas, but this is the nightmare fight for Andrade against a fighter like Valentina Shevchenko. You know, what do we say about Valentina Shevchenko that we haven't already said at some point? You know, outside of Amanda Nunes, she is the greatest women's fighter of all time. And I really don't think there's a debate about it. Even the second fight she fought with Nunes, you could argue Shevchenko won that decision either way. That topic's always out there for debate. Yeah. Before this fight coming up, but I believe it's UFC 261. Yeah. Again, yeah. Andrade. Um, you know, it's going to be an amazing fight, but I just think Shevchenko's going to win this. Like she, you know, we always try to figure out who's going to be the person to solve the puzzle that's Valentina Shevchenko. And she can literally pull firepower out of anywhere. Like a lot of people thought Jessica is going to be the one to do it with her pressure. Valentina pulled out a high kick out of nowhere and sent her to the shadow realm just like that. And I fear something similar is going to happen to Jessica Andrade. You know, she, as great of a fighter as Andrade is, she's, I believe she's one and two in her last three fights. You know, she fought well against Nami Yunus, but she got she lost a 10-8 round prior to slamming her to win the title, then got outboxed for the decision against Nami Yunus and has lost to Wei Li Zhang. So no shame in those losses. Those are two of the greatest yeah. women fighters alive in the world today. I'm not knocking Andrade for that. But when you're stepping up to Valentina Shevchenko, you are stepping up levels and then some. You know, in my opinion, Rose Namajunas is an unbelievable fighter, but Valentina is like the peak version of what Namajunas could be, plus a hell of a lot of an added, an added arsenal onto that. And it doesn't really matter how Andrade tries to fight this. If she tries to get in close with her wrestling, she's going to get pieced up by Shevchenko. If she tries to fight at range, no one fights better at range than Shevchenko. And if she does get to the ground, Valentina's no slouch in the ground either. We've seen glimpses of it, and Valentina's is, Valentina is a scary prospect on the ground too. You know, the last fight Andrade had against Caitlin Chikagian, Valentina absolutely took her to pieces you know, it was one of the most dominant women's fights I think I've ever seen yep. and one of the most dominant performances from Shevchenko and that's saying something based on what we know about her. So it's going to be a great fight and Draj is going to take it to her straight out the gate but there's certain fighters you just don't take it to and Valentina Shevchenko is one of them. So I'm fully on Mesa's side on this. I think either a lopsided decision if Andrade makes it that far or a pretty violent knockout for the bullet. Yeah, I, it, I, how can you disagree with it? Based off of, like, everything that you've seen from Valentina Shevchenko, other than Nunes, I mean, she has been the, the, the other greatest uh, women's fighter of all time. And uh, I, I, it's just them two and then everybody else. And it's been that for a long time, and it will stay that way until they retire, in my opinion. It's, I mean, whenever Ronda Rousey was at her best, I thought that, um, no one could really beat her, but I didn't think that her game was as well-rounded as Amanda Nunes and especially Valentina Shevchenko. She is one of the most well-rounded fighters I have ever seen in my entire life. No matter where you go, you are in danger. On the feet, you can't give her any space or anything at all because, or even if you attack, you're going to get countered. Uh, and then if you go to the ground, she's probably better than you on the ground as well. She just fought Jennifer Maya, who... And she basically won at her game in that in that fight. She basically, I think she could have finished her. I think she was just kind of like 
I can I can beat her in the grappling as well, which just shows the dominance that she has. It's unreal. Another thing that I, I worry about for Andrade in this fight, and again, she's a great fighter, but she is. And Valentina Shevchenko doesn't often have a, a height advantage over her uh, fighters. But in this one, she's going to have a very significant reach and height advantage over Jessica Andrade at a heavier weight. And Andrade, the way she fights is she likes to duck her head down and move forward a lot, a lot like a pressure. I fear a similar fate for her, just like Jessica I, where they have uh, not, not, not totally similar, similar fighting styles, but the way they like to move forward and everything, that's perfect setup for the hot, for the head kick. And that is virtually unstoppable coming from Valentina Shevchenko because it's hidden well with everything. And if that thing lands, you'll go down. Uh, that's kind of what I'm thinking right now. I'm, I, I feel confident that's the, that's the shot she'll be looking for just because of the style uh, and, and, and the advantage that she will have. Um, I'm going to go, I think in Shevchenko, like head kick second round is kind of what I have a strong feeling about that for some reason. I just, I feel like that's the way the, the, the trends of the two fighters, the way they like to fight. I feel like that's what she's going to look to set up. Not that she is going to just strictly look for that because she could do whatever she wants. Um, and, and over, overall, that's just, that's just the beauty of Valentina Shevchenko is she can do whatever she wants, wherever she wants, whenever she wants and get it done. So, um, Nothing against Jessica Andrade. She's a phenomenal fighter. Look at just yeah, she's one and two, but look at she's look at who she's fought in the last fight. But even those fighters, even Rose Namajunas, even Zhang Weili, they're not Valentina Shevchenko, and she's being thrown into the water on this one. So that's tough. But I got I got Valentina Shevchenko uh, winning this one. No. no. Yeah, the thing is with Valentina. Just real quick before we move yeah, yeah. on, you know. Fighting Valentina Shevchenko, as we have seen more times than I can recall, fighting Valentina is comparable to fighting a guerrilla army in the jungle. It's territory you don't know, and she can pull anything out of anywhere. Like you said against Jennifer Maya, she very well could have finished that fight, but she sent a message saying, I can win this fight fighting your game if I want to. And when you're fighting an opponent that beats you at your own game just to send a message... This is the caliber of opponent yeah. you're dealing with. You know, against Jessica, I, like everybody said, we thought her wrestling and her pressure would bring it to Shevchenko. She literally hit that head kick better than anybody has ever hidden a head kick. No one saw it coming except Valentina Shevchenko. You know, Shevchenko can just hide everything everywhere and pull anything out that she needs to. And I, funny enough, I actually agree with your prediction, Jack. I'm feeling very strong about the orthodox stance head kick yeah. i think i think Andrade's just going to get put under so much pressure in the first round that she's going to come out with her head down desperate to get something going and you're walking straight into the trap of the head kick it's almost comparable to something mirko krokop had back in the pride yeah days. You know, she, she will send you to the cemetery whenever she hits that full power and i think that's very much what could happen here Valentina Shevchenko is a dangerous, dangerous opponent to face. And when you fought Wei Li Zhang and Rose Namajunas, and Shevchenko was still three or four gears above that, then that's trouble for anyone. Yeah, I yeah. think if, if Shevchenko's out there, if you can see Shevchenko early on working the body on, on Andraj with, the, with that, that body kick, then yeah, that's the same thing she did with, Je with Jess Guy. So the head kick will come eventually. Yeah, looks that. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So next up, 
the UFC 259 in a week or two weeks uh, from this recording. Um, Israel Adesanya will be facing Jan Blakovic. Um, we're not necessarily predicting any fights, but there are a lot of important fights on that card, fights that will go underappreciated because of the main event and how important that main event is. So other than the main event, what is the most important fight uh, for UFC 259 that you guys will be looking forward to? There's a lot of important fights on that card. There's a lot of prospects yeah. that are on that card. Uh, but the most important fight for me that's not the main event is a title fight, and that's the the Jan and Sterling matchup. Um, I think Aljamain wins that fight, first of all. I, I think it'll be close. But then you look at the 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 talent that the winner's going to have to deal with. I mean, the winner of this fight is is going to be the champion in, in one of the most stacked divisions, if not the most stacked division in the UFC. Uh, and then, you know, you got Sanhagen, who's a stud coming after you. Rob Font is there. He's no slouch. Um, obviously, Garbrandt and Aldo are there. Uh, they both have championship pedigree, more so Aldo than, than Cody Garbrandt. But nonetheless, they've both been champions before. They, they got championship uh, championship wins under their belt. So, And then you're going to throw TJ back in that mix. Uh, this fight's the most important for me because everything that's going to come after it, and that champion is going to have their work cut out for him. Amanda Nunez is going to keep her belt. Izzy's going to take that 205-pound belt. And really for Amanda, what's there going to be after that? You know what I mean? You're just going to have to find somebody else. Or, or maybe Shevchenko can, can yeah, after that. run at her. You know, that's the only thing that's going to be interesting with, with Amanda Nunez. And is he going to take that belt? And then what's he going to do? You got He's got the 185 belt, the 205 belt. And there's going to be things that are going to have to be figured out. But with, with the Jan and Sterling matchup, whoever wins that is going to get straight to work with some tough competition. So uh, I think that's the most important fight, at least in, in my opinion. Yeah, outside of the main event of UFC 259, by a country mile or two, the most important fight to be watching is 135 pounds, Piotr Jan and Aljamain Sterling. No disrespect whatsoever to Megan Anderson. As I said last week, she's getting her deserved shot. But Amanda Nunez sits atop the Iron Throne and she will until she decides not to, which could be for a long time yet. I mean, if somehow Megan Anderson did win, that would be the Buster Douglas Mike Tyson of the UFC. No question in my mind. This fight at 135 pounds is enormous. You know, Mace has outlined that really, really well, but I will give you my own take on it. This is one of the hardest fights, certainly one of the hardest title fights that I could ever predict because it is so, so close. The margins for this fight are absolutely minuscule. Uh, Piotr Jan, as I've said for the last couple of weeks, I don't think he gets the respect he deserves. I think he's slept on so much by the MMA media, and it's genuinely amazing to me. You know, Uriah Faber, I don't necessarily count because Uriah Faber is not prime Uriah, but still an impressive win. And then Jose Aldo, I have never seen a fighter take damage and their facial expression has not changed for two rounds. And that's what I saw with Piotr Jan. As I've said in the last couple of weeks, the most accurate comparison I can think of is that he's bantamweight's Ivan Drago, not just because he's Russian, but because of the just absolute stone-faced killer. You know, whenever Jose Aldo came out for the third round against Piotr Jan, you may remember, he almost had this look in his face as if 
this man hasn't taken any damage? How yeah. is he still getting up? And more importantly, how does he look like he doesn't have a scratch on him? And then, you know, we all saw the vicious finish that came after that. So this is what you're dealing with in Peter Jan. You're dealing with a man with a will, a chin, and a mind of iron. That being said, Aljamain Sterling's just one of the most sensational fighters in the UFC. I absolutely love watching him fight because his offense is as varied as anybody's. His boxing is very, very good. His kicking game is second to none. His wrestling's really underrated. Obviously, I I think I said on Monday's podcast too, you know, training with Matt Serra and the guys in Long Island, you're never going to be able to build a better wrestler really than if you're with Matt Serra. So this fight is just two totally contrasting styles meeting, and it's so hard to call who's going to win this. I'm deadlocked on this. I I can I would probably go with Mace in leaning towards Sterling just because yeah. of how varied his offense is. But do not for one split second sleep on Peter Jan because he is just rock solid. But in terms of the which fight is the most important to go back to the initial query, the ramifications of this fight are going to be astronomical for 135. In my opinion, outside of welterweight and lightweight, this is the division to be watching in the UFC right now. If Peter Jan beats Sterling, then, as May said, he has got work to do because he's got six or seven killers lined up immediately looking to take that belt off him. And, you know, at some point, the law of averages would dictate that one of them has to beat him. If Aljamain Sterling wins, then, as I described a couple of weeks ago it is chaos and open season 135 because straight away the second sterling wins sterling sandhagen too that's the fight to make and that will that'll be in that'll be a fight of the year candidate in itself and then supposing sterling somehow gets through sandhagen look at the guys we've listed that the winner of this fight's gonna have to go through you know rob font who doesn't get the credit he deserves Cody Garbrandt, who is probably the best boxer in that division. Jose Aldo, who's a legend and who looks maybe not at his absolute best, but looks as good as any of them at the moment. And then TJ Dillashaw is coming back into the mix, arguably in many people's eyes, the good of 135. You know, the whole scandal's a different issue. I'm sure we'll deal with that some other time. But in terms of pure skill, in many people's eyes, the greatest bantamweight of all time. So irrespective of who wins this, it's going to be an enormous headache because there is going to be no rest for them for probably the next six months to a year because they're going to have at least six or seven nightmare fights to deal with and all guys who can bring something different to threatening to end their reign. Yeah, I mean, that has to be it, right? Uh, it's, it's such a good fight. Um, and you guys nailed it. it. For me, not only is are the stakes the most important and everything for that division, it's also the closest fight on the card as well. Um, it's truly a coin flip. Uh, I, I'm, I'm so excited for it. I'm not even going to add on to what you guys said because you guys nailed it. I'm going to talk about another fight, which would be, aside from that, the most important fight, just to throw something in there. Um, and one fight that is going to be a potential fight of the night contender, aside from all of the other ones. And that is... Uh, Tiago Santos versus Alexander uh, Rakic. That is going to be an insane fight. Um, I- I'm so excited for it. two guys that have been just absolute knockout sensations in that division. Obviously, Tiago Santos just dropped his um, 
last fight after the injury to John Jones and close fight against John Jones to Glover Teixeira. And I kind of picked up on something. Most fighters who have had a very close fight with John Jones have gone on and lost their following fight. Dominic Reyes most recently against Jan Blakovic, Tiago Santos against Glover Teixeira, and then uh, further back, uh, Alexander Gustafsson lost to Anthony Johnson in Stockholm um, whenever he lost to John Jones and arguably won that fight. I think he won that fight. I know, Mace, you think John Jones won that fight. Um, I'd argue with that any other day. Anyways, um, that, that's just something I picked up on. And a lot of fighters will rebound off of that. And Tiago Santos, you cannot sleep on him because he will sleep you if you are not uh, paying attention any second in that fight. Some of the most powerful hands we've ever seen at 205. Um, he's, he's, he's amazing. Alexander Rockage is a contender who is really, this is a huge step up in competition for him. Um, he's looked unbelievable, unbeatable so far in the UFC. Uh, amazing knockout power as well. Someone's going to get knocked out cold in this fight. You just, like, you just know it. It's going to be who can land first, who can land clean, um, and who can take a better shot. And Rockage has never taken the power of Tiago Santos. Um, but Tiago Santos, obviously coming off that loss, where is he going to be at? Um, is he going to be fully confident? I think he will. Um, but that's something Rockage, if he's ready to go, if he just pushes the pressure, uh, mixes in some kicks, it's going to be interesting. And the stakes are obviously massive for this fight as well for light heavyweight. Tiago Santos wins. He's one fight away, or it, uh, he could argue for a title shot. For If Rockage wins, he throws his name right in there for uh, one fight away from a title shot. It's huge, huge stakes for the division. Um, as far as their careers go as well, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. There's so many good fights on this card. You can really choose any of them and just point out the importance of it. Um, but aside from Sterling versus Jan, which is going to be one of the best fights in the Bantamweight division, I think we can all agree. Um, that's the other fight to look out for besides the main event uh, for me. Yeah, it's an extremely stacked card, a really good card. And I want to go back, as Keelan mentioned, the Amanda Nunes and, and uh, Megan Anderson fight. Where would y'all rank that? If that did happen and Anderson was to pull this off, where would you rank that upset in, in against all the other upsets? Does that beat GSP, Matt Sarah? Does that beat Holly Holm, Ronda Rousey? Would that be the greatest upset of all time? Yeah, um, I actually think that's a really interesting question. If Megan Anderson somehow pulls this off, I think it's the female equivalent of Matt Sarah GSP you know, two utterly dominant champions getting shocked. Um, I don't think it would be on the, the, the level of Holly Holm, Ronda Rousey. And the reason I think that is this, I actually, going into that fight, I did give Holly Holm a good chance because a lot of people slept on Holly Holm's kickboxing. And, you know, any true MMA fan could see, fantastic as Ronda was and her ground game was second to none, Anytime she kind of got tested on the feet, there were always she was always suspect there. So I had a feeling someone like Holly Holm would be enough of a sniper to take advantage if she got the chance. So that should never really have been as much of an upset as I think it was, because Holly Holm's an, an unbelievable kickboxer in herself. But should Megan Anderson pull this off? I actually I mentioned it a few minutes ago. It would be you it would be women's 145's Buster Douglas Mike Tyson. Like, absolutely no doubt in my mind, it would be one of the biggest upsets we've ever seen in any division because Amanda Nunez has looked like an absolute steam train against anybody she's faced. And if Megan Anderson's the one to break that duck, then she writes her name into the history books for more than one reason. 
Yeah, uh, that's a fantastic question. And my answer to it is just yes. Uh, there's been a lot of good um, upsets in the UFC, Ronda Rousey uh, versus Holly Holm, Matt Serra, GSP. But for this fight, this upcoming fight, this coming event, I have no feeling that Megan Anderson will be able to win this. So if she does win this, I won't even be able to to talk. And this is not disrespecting Megan Anderson at all. She's a fantastic fighter. Probably the other than uh, Amanda Nunes, whoever's in that division, 145, or she fights at 135, the best contender there. But just Amanda Nunes, it's, it, the levels are unreal. Just like Shevchenko coming up. If Shevchenko loses to Andrade, I will be completely shocked. Um, less so than this fight upcoming here. Uh, Amanda Nunes is, is, is the only fighter to really be able to consistently fight and defend her belt at two divisions. Um, she looks She's looked unbeatable just flat out unbeatable against every single opponent she's faced and she's faced some really good opponents. So if, if Megan Anderson wins, I will be speechless. I won't even on the podcast, whenever we talk about it, if she wins, I won't even have words to describe what I will be feeling because I have, I, I give her no chance. I, and I, I, I feel so bad saying that, but just Amanda Nunes is so good. So if she does pull that off for me by a mile, biggest upset ever. That, that's that's just it. If she does that, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I fully, just real quick, I fully agree with Jack on that. Um, you know, when you consider Amanda Nunez, we have to consider everything around her. You know, Chris Cyborg, the woman whom the 145 division was built around, the uh, allegedly the greatest featherweight outside of anybody in the UFC, and Amanda Nunez made it look effortless. I mean, she's just on a level unlike anything we've ever seen and it's impossible to give anybody a chance when you have someone that good so you know i agree with jack if if megan anderson has somehow pulled this off by the time we do monday's podcast i will be utterly speechless and i will buy a megan anderson t-shirt from reebok (laughs) and pay tribute to her because it will be by a just by an astronomical distance, the biggest upset we've ever seen. It would be unparalleled. See, I think, I think the only reason that, that it would not top the Rousey and and home fight is because up to that point, nobody had seen uh, nobody had seen Ronda Rousey face any kind of adversity or resistance yeah. inside the octagon at all. So that was unheard of. Basically, when it comes to Amanda Nunes, there's she's been beaten number one. And we, we feel like Shevchenko's been one of those fights that she's that she's lost. Now, That's true. So, so there's and you go to the Jermaine Durandamy fight on the feet. Durandamy was doing some work on Amanda Nunes. Uh, the, Amanda obviously she she adjusted. She got the takedowns and she was able to work her over that way. And it turned out to be a pretty dominant victory uh, by the time it was all said and done. But that, that's the only reason I don't think the upset would be as big is because we've seen chinks in Amanda Nunez's armor at one time or another. Before Holly beat Ronda, we never saw that. So I think in a lot of fans' minds, that's what's gonna that's that's what makes that one the greatest of all times because Ronda was unbeatable. She was there was no competition. She was submitting people in 14 seconds, 13 seconds, a minute. It was just insane. So I think that this it would definitely be huge. It, it would definitely be a huge upset, but I'd still have to give it to to Holly over Ronda. Yeah, that was a special night. That was another thing that was in front of that big crowd, like that 52,000 people I think they had. It was uh, almost at capacity in that big stadium and everything. So that was a big, that was a big night. 
Yeah, I, don't know. I still rank it a little bit above that though. Man. Yeah, my thing with the Rousey comparison is, you know, we all grew up and lived through the Rousey rise to dominance. And, you know, like we've said, no one would ever question her judo skills or her skills on the ground. But to me, Rousey's reign raised more questions than it actually answered. You know, I mean, she obviously submitted that woman in 14 seconds and her reign was brilliant. But it has to make you question the caliber of opposition she was facing too. I mean, no disrespect to anybody who ever steps in the octagon. You know, we all hold an unparalleled respect for those people. But Rousey had women who were running straight into her game and women who probably had even worse stand-up than Rousey did. Amanda Nunez has faced the biggest killers that women's MMA has to offer. And I actually think the fact that she's lost in the past would make this even more shocking because Nunez has come back so much better from that one loss. Even the Shevchenko fight, she's come back even more determined and even more stone-cold killer-like than she was before. So you got to remember, whenever they say Amanda the, the Lioness Nunez, you are facing a lioness in the octagon. You are facing a killer on really unlike anything we've ever seen and don't get me wrong my best wishes to megan anderson you know like joe rogan says she very well could shake up the world on saturday night and the sport's only ever the better for it but yeah i just i just don't see it happening and that's never a knock on megan anderson but amanda nunez is just a different animal to anything out there well the the, the one that rousey being 14 seconds was zingano didn't catch zingano Beat up Amanda Nunes? I think that was for one loss. Yeah, I think that was for one loss. Yeah. yeah on the ground. Like well, it was, that was pretty, pretty good ass whooping for Amanda Nunes from Zingano. Yeah. Yeah, but I suppose fighters develop as well as the years go on. Oh, you know, right. any chip that was in her armor, she's developed and made better than it was before, too. But I, I absolutely take your point. Fair enough. I forgot about that. Of course. And my point is that's how people will see it. That that might necessarily not that might necessarily be the story of how it is, but that's how it's perceived. I think I just think that Rousey was so dominant and then to get beat the way she did, uh, you know, and, and if Amanda were to be the one that had beaten Rousey first, then, then she'd have the biggest upset of all time. And we wouldn't be talking about Holly Holm. Holly got to her first. It was a better matchup and she took care of business, but I, I just feel like, I don't know what it would take to top, Holly beating Ronda because in the fans' eyes, Ronda was just so dominant and, and, and so unbeatable. And and then she just got schooled and obviously exposed because after that, it was if, – if Ronda continued to fight, I mean, obviously Nunes did what she did to her, but even if she continues after that, she does not fare well in the UFC after that because there's plenty of women that can throw hands. I would have loved to have seen Shevchenko get a hold of Ronda Rousey. Oh yeah. You know, uh, I would have loved to see Ronda fight Kat Zingano again, because Kat Zingano is as tough as they come. She just runs in there and gets herself into an awkward position. And Ronda was extremely good on the ground and was able to manipulate the arm behind the back, even to, to sink in an arm bar. So uh, I just don't see how, Megan Anderson's win would be bigger. It would be huge, no doubt, but I don't know if it would be bigger. Yeah. I mean, that's that's true, but I, I don't know. I just – I see she's the, she became the 
double champ at 135 and 145. I, I do I do like what Keelan said about um her losses built her up. I don't think if Amanda Nunes fought Ronda Rousey whenever she fought Holly Holm, if uh, Amanda Nunes would have won that. I don't I don't think she would have. She took more time to develop. But one thing, and this is this is the main reason why I would consider it more uh, impressive than Ronda Rousey, um, is because she has lost before, but she's used that those losses to better herself and come back stronger every single time. I think she lost to Shevchenko, but if we even if we count that as a loss, what did she do? She rebuilt herself and came back up. Um, it, it, it was a controversial win, either even if you know even if we stick to the results. So she had to build herself back up and get back in there and, and, and fight even better. Ronda Rousey wasn't able to do that. Um, and, the, and, and the other thing is too, Amanda Nunes is very rarely extremely emotional going into a fight. Uh, she looks very composed going into a fight, very steady and, and just focused at all times. She's never really mentally off. I think a large part of the reason Ronda Rousey lost to Holly Holm was because she was so emotional going into that fight she was so uh, looking to prove something looking to prove that she could beat holly home on the feet her the whole coach controversy and everything amanda nunez has none of that just those different aspects and i also think that amanda nunez is a better fighter i think prime amanda nunez right now would beat ronda rousey back uh back when ronda rousey was doing her thing that i just i think that this would be um the, the bigger the bigger upset for me that's that's the only reason why and again Holly Holm Ronda Rousey will live in history as just the one of the most shocking moments in UFC history but if if Megan Anderson does this I I, I still rank that above it yeah and what we got to remember as well with the Rousey fight too is one of the big factors in Ronda Rousey's rise and why she was so unbeatable was she had the entire UFC PR machine built around her too like with every yeah. fight and every fight, it was Rousey rises, Rousey rises. And she was built into this completely unbeatable fighter. You know, we've mentioned it before, what she did for women's fighting, cover magazines, radio shows, even the Entourage movie. Amazing movie, by the way. Um, no, but in all seriousness, you know, she was built up to be this fighter that no one could beat. And the disrespect that was given to Holly Holm in that fight in Melbourne was, you know, it was very disappointing. you got to remember in all the publicity material and the interviews and the press conferences, Holly Holm actually got very, very little attention in all of that. You know, the posters were all Rousey's, almost like her victory lap before the fight was even fought. And the reason the fight was as such a shock as it was is I don't think to any of us it was a shock skill-wise because we've always known how good Holly Holm is. The reason it was a shock is because the UFC's PR machine completely backfired and Holly Holm completely screwed up every plan the UFC had. And then, of course, we know what Amanda Nunez did and came along and finished what was already done. So the reason why Amanda Nunez is also so impressive is she's been disrespected by the UFC for a long time too. You know, even whenever she was building up her run, all right, yes, the Shevchenko fight, I do think Shevchenko won at least one of those, you know, minimum. But, you know, even throughout all her impressive performances, she's been very much ignored by the UFC for a lot of it. And she's had to push harder and harder and harder and harder to get to where she is now. 
you know, in terms of the image, in terms of being dominant, in terms of being the best fighter she can be. So Megan Anderson is going to have to pull off the biggest shock imaginable if she is to get this done, because Amanda Nunez is probably the most motivated fighter outside of Shevchenko to prove a point, you know, and Nunez has eaten everybody else alive apart from Shevchenko. So Megan Anderson is going to have to be the one in a million at this point. I mean, I think actually, and by all means do correct me if I'm wrong here, I actually think Jermaine Durandamy was stripped of the belt because she refused to face yeah. Nunez originally. I think it was Cyborg. Yeah, I yeah. think it was Cyborg. No, sorry, you're absolutely right. It was Cyborg. I apologize. I knew it was one of the two. You know, but, you know, if in, if Nunez is better than that, then how good is Nunez? Because you have fighters that didn't want to face Cyborg, and then Nunez did that to Cyborg. Yeah. So, you know, Amanda Nunez is just a completely different animal. She's torn apart everybody, apart from Valentina Shevchenko. She's cleared out her divisions probably at least twice, same as Shevchenko. And Megan Anderson's going to have to pull off something real, really special. But by all means, I'm pulling for her because shocks and upsets are what, you know, make the UFC ground at this point. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see what the odds are for this yes. fight yeah. compared to the Rousey in the home fight. I want to see the odds between those two. And yeah, I wouldn't be mad if the upset happened because then, then we can have, uh, then we'd have people discussing which upset is bigger, but um yeah, I'm very interested to see what the odds are for the Anderson and Nunez fight. I'll um, actually check my real quick because I'm very, very I'm interested. I'm sure. I'm sure uh, she Anderson is a massive underdog. Yeah, uh, she's off seven fifty. Seven fifty. I think. That, I think Ronda Rousey. Uh, that was. I think it was bigger for that fight, the Holly Holm thing. I think it was um, plus. I think it might have been even, even a thousand or something. Yeah, Amanda Nunez is negative eleven sixty five. That's, wow. that's huge. Yeah, wow. So don't Good bet on her because you're thoughts. not going to win anything. <laughs> you have to bet. Well, that's $100 for to win like a 1100 Is that, that what that would be? Something like Crazy. that. I don't even know what the odds were for the... Oh, look at the odds for Aljamain Sterling too. Aljamain Sterling is plus one fifteen. Pewter Young's negative one thirty-five. Oh, it's a, it's a okay. Hey, I mean, those are the right odds for that fight. I mean, what are you gonna say? So Ronda Rousey versus Holly Holm. Rousey was minus fifteen hundred. Holm was plus twelve hundred. Remember they fought. And so, what was what was Anderson just now? Plus seven fifty. Plus seven fifty. Um, so Holm was definitely the bigger underdog. I'm really surprised at that. Actually, looking back, when you see the skills home, had. it's, pers- it's perspective, though. Yeah, yeah I mean, it is. like back in the it day. Is. Yeah, it's all perspective, really. And and it, it kind of alludes to your point that you made earlier, Keelan. I, and you, Jack, that the way that they built Rousey up. Yeah. But and and but there's a difference between building somebody up and trying to make them something that they're not. Rousey was yes until that's she true. until she faced somebody who was just more talented. Uh, in reality, Holly schooled her in that fight. Schooled her, embarrassed her, and then yeah. that, that the blueprint. The blueprint was laid out, and then Nunez went in there and finished her off. Um, but man, I can't wait to see UFC 259. That's going to be oh, huge. it's, it's going to be awesome. And you only got two fights on that main card that aren't for belts, and, and the rest, the rest of those fights mean a whole lot. So uh, it's going to yeah, be this, very. This is just- 
this is one of the greatest cards I've ever seen put on. Just yeah. no question. I mean, I mean, guys, the odds that we've just read out there tell you everything you need to know here. Don't miss this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't have said it better. Great podcast, guys. Uh, thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Make sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. Obviously, you can listen iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you can listen to a podcast. We are there. Um, make sure to follow us on Instagram at MMA Island and check out our great work on the website, MMAisland.net. Again, thank you, everyone, so much for listening and fantastic podcast, guys. Thanks, guys. Yes, guys. <laughs>